0: Good morning. Good morning. All right, all right. I think we are filled up. Find find another. We threw some kids out. You get, there's some seats available. Come on, let's get in and get comfortable. Sit on the floor. Make yourself comfortable. Amen. Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Is anybody here for the first time today? I see some kind of new faces. Anybody? Welcome, welcome. All right. All right. Amen, amen. Father, we just ask you right now to bless the speaker and the listener. May they both be transformed by your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know where to look. There's so many. And, and, man. Well, the update, Mark gave you the update. The papers are in. We're just waiting Monday or Tuesday. We'll get um, we'll get some answers back from them. But this this past week, they've been, you know, our, our man Jose is always always in the building with the contractor and, and, you know, doing work. And so, Jose sent me four or five pictures every morning. And, and sometimes you know, he thinks they're a blessing, but they stress me to death, these pictures, you know. And so, this, this past week, he's sending me pictures. And I kept telling him, man, we have to get, <coughs> we're getting so close to, to like, anything could, could open any day now. We're, we have to get all the debris out of the sanctuary. The sanctuary is messy right now. And so I was kind of on him again and again. I said, And he said, yeah, but you know, this guy didn't show up. And then I, I said, okay, but, but that was kind of... I said, but we got to get all the debris out of the sanctuary. Right now the sanctuary is such a mess. Our chairs are all, you know, they're, they're drop clothed and covered, but they're all off to one side. They're not lined up. There's, there's, there's dust and ev- you can write your name on everything. There's dust everywhere. <laughs> And it's stressing me out. There's a lot of, it's messy. And so, and finally, you know, toward the end of the week, he he was, he, he told me everything. He showed me a picture and everything was out. All the debris is out. And so now we have to schedule a day this week, so get ready for some emails. We need to schedule a day this week where we can get in there and and we bought some air, some, we bought a bunch of uh, wet dry vacs, we gotta vacuum all the chairs, we gotta clean everything. We bought new mops, praise God. We bought mops and booze and vacuums and sponges and, and yeah, don't clap now and don't come though. <laughs> And don't come just to hang out either. So, so we, gotta, we gotta do a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of the churches, man, that's kind of been on my head. I was bothered by that, that the church is so messy. And then I was reading this article, and in this, in this story, I'm, I'm listening to this person share this story, and she was doing something, and, and God pretty really put it on her heart that she needed to, to, the person that she was talking to, she really needed to invite to church. And so, and you know, as the story unfolded, she, she said, you know, I couldn't live with myself if I don't invite this man to church. God is really putting this on my heart that I need to, even though it's a professional environment, even though it's a, it's a workplace, God is putting on my heart, I need to invite. And so she, she finally breaks down and she says, listen, and she invites, it was an older man, and she invites this man, she goes, yeah, yeah, I really want you to come to my church. I want you to come, and so I'm reading this article and, and, and the man was, was, was his attitude was, was gratitude he was just like, oh man, that's so beautiful, it's so nice of you to invite me to your church, that's such a beautiful thing, thank you so much you're such a sweet person I, I knew you were a church person, that's so beautiful that you would invite me to your church and he was so appreciative but then he said, but I can't go to your church he said, my life is a mess he says, you don't know what I've done. This is an older, older man. And he says, you don't know the things I've done, sweetheart. You don't know the, the, how bad I've been. You don't know where I'm from. And, and he says, my life, God doesn't want me in your church. I've done bad. I'm a mess. And there was no convincing him to come because he thought his life was too messy for church. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to clean the building. We have to put things in order. We, we should, The building should be picked up. The building should be clean. The building should be lined up and comfortable. But the church is supposed to be messy. <clears throat> the church is always going to be messy. The building should be clean. It's a blessing to have a building. Now, we have been out of our building three months. That's a big chunk of a year, isn't it? I was stressing three days. I said, no, we got to get, when the, when the building, you know, when the, when the tree fell, I was going nuts saying, we got to make this work Sunday. We can't miss one Sunday. And everybody kept telling me, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm like, you crazy. We in there Sunday. (laughs) And then, and then when they pushed it a week and a week and a week, and you know, you start losing your mind. And then, and then you let God talk to your heart. then you let God, and then you say, okay, God, you're doing something. Okay. I stop. I got to stop fighting. You're doing it. You're doing something. And so we've learned our lessons. If you've missed, uh, I was looking back at, at, at all the messages that I've shared since we've been here. And and man, there's, there's some good stuff in there. There's some good messages. Like I read them over and I got blessed. So whoa, I needed that. God, God is, is doing something, you know. And so the the so so the the, the building man it, it's we, we gotta do our best to make it comfortable and make it clean and put everything in order, but the church is supposed to be messy. And so that led me into this whole study. Jesus took the Old Testament temples, which were perfect and in order, and nothing was out of place, and there was order and reverence. And, and, I mean, when God told them how to build these temples, everything had to be a certain way. The temple had to have be this size and that, and it had to have this material and this stone, and this place had to be covered. And, see, God was very particular about where his spirit would dwell in the Old Testament. <laughs> God was always particular about where his presence could and could not dwell. He was very specific about who and how and how much and who can enter where. And we read in the Old Testament that when the wrong person from the wrong tribe, even if there were good people, when they tried to do it their own way, bad things happened. The Ark of the Covenant was a good example. When the wrong person handled it or when people did the wrong thing, they died. Can you imagine like, you, if you did something wrong in church and you died because you did it wrong? I don't know, that might empty, like half of you might leave, and the other half might be too scared to leave. You say, I ain't breaking out, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to shut up, I'm going to pay attention. That brother died, he ushered wrong and he died. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There was a reference. There, there's something so, so different, right? And I'm, I'm sorry, to Ushers. I, I didn't mean that. Derek's <laughs> like, come on, man. Usher gotta die. There was one time in the Ark of the Covenant when they, they put the ark on a on a cart and the, to transport it from, from the house to where it should be. And and when they were they were carrying on a cart and on top of oxen and the oxen stumbled, and so the ark shifted a little. And so Uzzah, the the, the son, he, he he held it, he touched it to held it to keep it steady. And it says the anger of the Lord burned and he died. You can say, Man, God, that's that's messed up. He's trying to, he's just trying to keep the ark from falling and and, and you killed him. But but, but what's the problem? You know, we can look at that and say that's wrong. But the problem was, see, God had already been very specific. The ark should never have been put on a cart. The ark should have always been carried on the shoulders of the Levite priests. When God tells you to do something, you got to do it the way he tells you to do it. And so they put it on the oxen. They put it on the cart. And and see, when we try to do things our own way, instead of the way God tells us to, there's, there's consequences. Things get messed up. Also, perhaps the ark had been in Uzzah's house for a long time already. had been in there, and they had enjoyed the blessing. See, wherever the ark was, it either brought blessings or curses, depending on who you were. If you were God's people, it, if the ark, if the presence of God was in your house, there's blessings. That means every check was doubled. That means every bill was minimized. That means like everything was good. You lived like this incredible life because the ark was in your salah. It was like amazing. You know what I'm saying? But, but perhaps he got too familiar. Perhaps it was too familiar. He didn't reverence the, the, and so he thought he can step out and, and steady it. See, God doesn't, we don't serve a God that we need to steady. We don't serve a God. If if your house is on fire and you have to grab all your saints to save them. I heard a story like that once. That's the only reason I share that. House is on fire. Ladies grabbing the saints from from her altar at home. I said, lady, if you need to rescue your God, that's not your God. See, that's the beauty of reading the Old Testament. We need to, saints, we got to read the Old Testament. and I mean, some of you just got to read the Word, period. Can we just start reading the Word this year? Do you know Sunday's not enough? Sunday's not enough. What if the preacher's weak on the Word? Then you're weak. Right? You need more. You. So you need. So, but that's the beauty. We need to read the Old Testament. I know it's hard. You get into those chapters, of, and Louis begot this one, and this one begot this one, and that one begot, and there's a hundred. You know, but but that matters. The begats matter because it shows you lineage. It's a it's a beautiful thing. We need to read the the Old Testament because it reminds us of the holiness of God. We lose that today in our context because we, you know, we're up here, we're singing songs like, God, I just want to sit in your lap and kiss you. And, and 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 we lose the reference. And if you grew up in Catholic church, right, you went to Catholic school, I did, and man, you don't mess around, you don't in that church. Right, you walk, everything is in order, everything's shiny, everything's looking at you, every saint has his eye on you. You walk in, you sit down, you shut up. 45 minutes, you're up, you're down, sit down, kneel, stand up, get out. Right? But there's a reverence there. There's a reverence. There's a there's something beautiful about that. There's a reference there. And the same we're not supposed to have saints and all that stuff, but but I'm saying there's a reverence there. Right? We lose that. And, and so the, the Old Testament temples, they were built in a way that reverenced the presence of God. It, it's amazing. If you do a study on this, there were gates and, and then you get past those gates and there were outer courts. And and the outer courts, there was an altar to to, to, to you know to put sacrifice. And then there was an altar of incense. And then there was a place to wash. And then, and then there was the, the, the doors. And the doors led into a holy place. And only certain people could go into certain areas of the temple imagine and then the, the, the last place the holy of holies where they kept the ark of the covenant that was covered with a veil and only one person could enter that, that section that had to be the high priest and he could only do it once a year and so it was very imagine if, if we did that today if everyone could come to the front of our building and only some could enter into the worship area and, and, and so you'd worship for the rest of us that are outside Right? Like maybe all the Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, the they had to stay here and only, you know, it would be like that. It would, you know, it would be a separation, right? And then there would be another area where only a, a certain amount of people could, a smaller group could enter into that section. And then a smaller group could only enter into that section. And then there would be the place where the presence of God was, and only one person could enter that section. And the presence of God should inter- should to intercede for all of us that are on the outside. Can you imagine the difference that, that, that would that would be? I don't know like how we would we would deal with that. Being who, who we are. And God is saying, those of you here today, you feel insignificant, you feel small in and in, in the scheme of things, you feel like you're not important. You feel listen to me, young people, you feel like you're not important, you feel like you don't have the things that other people have, you feel like you're insignificant. God says, I know you by name. You might think you're a nobody, you might think you're nothing special, you might listen to this online even because you don't think you can even be part of this church. God knows the branch that you're resting on, he knows the tree that you're hiding behind, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down! are worshiping him, all these people maybe better people than Zacchaeus he catches, he says Zacchaeus come down because today I'm going to be in your house Jesus invites himself to this man's house for dinner the religious people talked about that, they said man this guy is so off he goes after sinners, he eats with tax collectors None of us would be caught dead in Zacchaeus' house. The the Pharisees in their long gowns and in their headdress and in their all this religious garb. They're looking down at the nose. They say, Oh my God. My God. None of us would be in this man's house. This guy eats with sinners. He eats with messy people. Zacchaeus that day receives Christ. He repents. He tells God, and this is how you know when somebody repents, he parts with his money. Oh, come on, that's a whole nother message. That's a whole nother message. There's two rich men the Bible talks about. One, one God told him, yeah, just there's one thing you got to do. You've done everything right. Just get rid of all your, your riches and come follow me. And it says that man went away sad. This is another rich man. God don't even tell him nothing about leaving. He just says, God, I'm going to give half everything I have to charity. And anybody I've done wrong, I'm going to pay them back four times. That's how you know God got a hold of you. When you say this doesn't matter. My money doesn't matter to me because I can't buy. I have all this money and I can't buy you. I have all this money and I can't buy friends. I can't buy anybody to love me. I can't buy it. Well, you know, today that might be a different story, but you you know what I'm saying. And so so that that day, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this house. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. The religious people at that time they had a hard time with that because in 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 with, with Jesus because in their eyes he was lowering the standard of God. Watch this, watch this. In their eyes he was lowering God's standard. He said, God comes for those of us that are that are doing in 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 look the part. He comes for temple people. We keep the law. We, at you know, least we try. We and we were law keepers, and we know the law. This guy doesn't even know the law. He he comes for us, and so he says, Jesus is lowering God's standards. The people called to follow him, and those that went after him, and those that he ministered to and brought him to. they weren't the people that had it all together. They weren't the temple type. And so he says they felt Jesus was lowering God's standard. What they didn't understand was that God wasn't lowering his standards. He was qualifying us to meet them. Yeah. He, he doesn't lower. God can't lower. God says I'm holy. You have to be holy. I can't. He doesn't lower his standards. To he, he, he qualifies us so that we can reach his standard. He was making a way for us to read. And that's what the book of Romans that we've been going through explains so beautifully. I'm just going to do a quick recap of a couple of the chapters in the beginning. Can we do that? Thank you. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Chapter one. Chapter one. Watch that quick. Because some of you missed. Some of you weren't here. Some of you didn't want to come to the school. If you don't come to the school, you can't pass the class. I want to make sure you're all with us when we graduate. Amen? Come on. So chapter 1, chapter 1, Romans one sixteen. I know that makes, brings the Minio song up. One sixteen, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's key, everyone who believes. That's a, a doctrine in reformed theology that think that's only for the elect. Uh, we'll get into that doctrine another time because I'm, I'm really preparing something to share because we need to have that doctrine understood. Amen? So 1.16, the gospel it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. 120, since the creation of the world, God's power has been seen, understood by what has been made. So, so he's saying in chapter 1, God obviously exists, so none of you have an excuse not to serve him. 128, it says those that choose to live like they don't have to answer to God, they'll receive in themselves the penalty of their depravity. I. Chapter 2, chapter 2, it says, that's for the rest of the other people. It says, chapter 2, verse 1 says, God will judge the hypocrites. Those of you that love to say, everybody in church is a hypocrite. Don't worry, God's going to judge the hypocrites. Be careful that he's not talking about you.
1: Come
0: on. Chapter 2, verse 5, when we're stubborn and unrepentant, we store up wrath for ourselves. Man, that's heavy. God doesn't have wrath for you. You store up wrath for yourself. When we're stubborn and when we're unrepentant. Two, two six, God will judge everyone according to their works. That's where the original tattoo came from. Only God can judge me.
1: <laughs>
0: if you have that, don't be convicted. It's all right. It's a, it's a very popular tattoo. And it's true. And it should scare the hell out of us. Only God can judge me. Yes. And chapter 2 says, He you will. Chapter 3, the 310, not one of us is righteous, not one of us is good, not one, even, even not one of us does good enough. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: 320, even trying to keep God's law, which is impossible to do, will never justify anyone unless you could do it perfectly from day one. From day one, that means when you were two, when you told the lie, you messed it up, it's done. That made you unrighteous. But here's the beauty. 3.22. Righteousness is given through faith in Christ to who? To all who believe. Righteousness is given to us through faith in Christ to all who believe. By our faith we're made righteous. That's what the word says. Chapter 3.22. 3.27. By our faith, not by anything we do so that no one can boast. That's the beautiful, God. all we have to do is believe and have faith in Christ and God makes us righteous. He lifts us to his standard. Oh, please, please receive that. You're good enough in Christ. You're good enough. You're perfect. You're righteous. You're justified in Christ just by your faith, not, not by your works. Chapter four: Further proof of that. For chapter four, he says four three. Abraham believed God. Abraham lived before Christ died. <coughs> Hold up. Abraham lived before the crucifixion, before the resurrection, before the justification. No, the word says Abraham believed God, and his faith in God was accounted to him as righteousness. So it's only our faith that. Okay. So to the one four five, to the one who trusts God, who justifies the ungodly. Their faith is credited to them as righteousness. 4 throws this in, 4, 7 and 8 is beautiful. It says, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are those whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one who sinned. the Lord will never count against him. Somebody said, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Verse 425, he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. The cross justifies us. You got to get that. The cross makes us holy. The cross makes us not guilty. When we have faith in Christ, we are justified, which means not only are we not guilty, but we're innocent. It's, 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 It's bigger than just not guilty. It means not only did we not do bad things, it means we did every good thing. He justifies us. He brings us to His standard. It's a, it's a beautiful... Chapter 5, I'll stop with this one, but chapter 5 is beautiful. Therefore, 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Amen. Thank you. Through whom we gain access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Jesus. So listen, the grace that we stand in is only given to us through our faith in Christ... It's the only way that we can have peace with God. We can the only the word is saying the only way to peace with God is have faith in Christ. So listen to me, you can meditate to your purple. You can do every position downward dog and downward. You can do whatever to try to clean your mind and clean. The only way to peace with God the word says is faith in Christ. Everything else is fake. Please hear this. The Word says, not me, not Pastor George, the Word says the only way to have faith in, the only way to peace with God is faith in Christ. 5, 6. You see, and this is beautiful, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the messy. <laughs> God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 5 is such a beautiful picture. Watch this. He gives us the picture of Adam, the first man, and then he gives us a picture of Christ, the last Adam. Paul calls him the last Adam. It's because there's the first Adam and the last Adam. And 5.18, it says, Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so one righteous act results in justification for all people. Through one man, disobedience of the one man, and many were made sinners. So, through the obedience of the one man, many were made righteous. Say, thank you, God. So, you see, the first couple of chapters tells us who we are and what God did for us. And the next couple of chapters tells us how we should live because of who we are and what He's done. The bottom line, Paul says in Romans, we are sinful. We were born guilty, and we prove it every day. Say amen. Amen. It's not something to be proud about, but it's the truth, right? We prove it every day. We were born guilty. God is perfectly holy. He can't be with us in our sinful state, in our condition. We can't come close to God. We can't have fellowship with God. We can't even touch the place that holds the place where his presence dwells. Do do you understand that God is so holy we can't touch the place that holds the place where his presence dwells. Here's the gospel, maybe in a way you've never heard it before. God is righteous. God demands righteousness. God provides righteousness. Let me give it to you again. God is holy. God demands holiness. God provides holiness. Let me give it to you again. God is perfect. God demands perfection. God provides perfection. See, God will never ask you for something he didn't give you. God will never ask you for something you don't already have access to. today, this this is sermon 365. This is my 365th sermon at the Sanctuary Fellowship. And so I titled it 365 so that if you don't remember anything else today, I want you to remember that you have access to the throne room of God 365 days of the year. You have full access. You, You have Been made righteous, you are justified. God is at your right hand. Forget everything else I said. 365. There, There isn't a day or a time where God isn't with you. Good Lord. God isn't hiding from you. Somebody need to hear that today. He isn't in some faraway chamber that you can't access. He isn't hidden behind a veil. He sees where you are and he knows your name. Don't matter if you sat in the front or if you hid behind a pillar today. He sees where you are and he knows your name. When when Jesus gave up his life at the cross, it says the temple curtain, that veil that covered the Holy of Holies, that veil was torn in half and it was torn from the top. To the bottom. Why is that important? Because if it had been torn from the bottom to the top, that means man tore the veil. But if the veil tore from the top to the bottom, that means God tore the veil. And he's given us access six. His life paid our access into the Holy of Holies. So now it's not just a certain people can come to worship in the outer courts. It's not just a certain people can offer the sacrifice of praise. It's not just the high priest that can enter the Holy of Holies where his presence dwelled. It's me and you and, and you and I and then your cousin and your sister and Flocko from the corner and, 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 and Dirty Mike. And, and like it, it's, it's, everybody has access through faith in Christ Jesus. 365. Listen to me. Right now you're as close to God as you want to be. That's an indictment. You're close to God as you want to be. I just ripped the veil over everybody right now. And myself. Because I preached it. So I gotta hear it. I gotta hear myself say it. And when I don't feel it, I'm gonna hear. I hear. I'll hear it echo my own voice. You are as close to God as you want to be. You can make a hundred excuses. You say, "Oh man, but you know that's not how I grew up. You know, I had to do this, and I got to do what I got to do." Shut up. You are as close to God as you want to be right now. Because you. Didn't to be a certain kind of people. You don't have to be a certain kind of way. You don't have to look like me. You don't have to look like your old pastor. You don't have to look like anybody. You don't have to act like anybody. God says, I've given you access, full access. I'm right there with you. you who you are. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down. Stop hiding. You were looking for me? Come. you found me. James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. James 4.8. David said, I have set the Lord continually before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken, Psalm 16.8. Church, hear me. You don't have to go through Mary. You don't have to ask a saint to grant you a wish. You don't have to be good for a whole week. You don't have to read enough of the Bible, although you should. You don't have to tithe a certain amount, although you should. You don't have to pray a certain amount, although that's a good practice. While you were messed up, while you were far from God, he paid the price. Come on, worship team, let's, let's, let's go into another level of worship before we leave this place. Watch, watch, watch this. Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us then approach God's throne with grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Ephesians three twelve. in him and through him in him we may enter into God's presence with boldness and confidence Let's take this a little deeper watch this The temple that Solomon built it was amazing. It was magnificent the altar and the inner sanctuary It says it was laid in gold I think God God did that in his temples. He, He would lay entire floors with gold just to show you gold don't mean nothing to me. Gold is not as valuable to me as it is to you. I make my floors out of it. The Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies, it was a dwelling place. God said to Moses, I'll speak to you there. It was a special place. When Moses was leading the people to the promised land, he would God would tell him, "Go right outside the tent, outside the camp and set up a tent, and I'm going to meet with you there. That'll be the tent of meeting." And so, when Moses would go there, a pillar of cloud would cover the entrance to the tent, and God would meet with him in the tent of meeting. So we see from, from Scripture, anything that contains God's presence is deemed holy. Any place where God speaks to us is a holy place. Any place where His Spirit dwells is a holy place. Well, watch this. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Did you put that together? wherever God dwells is a special place wherever God dwells is holy wherever God dwells is, is a special magnificent place God dwells in you you are the temple of the Holy Spirit First Corinthians do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ we are the temple of the living God just as God said I will dwell in them and walk among them I will be their God and they will be my people what does that mean we have in ourselves the tent of meeting. That means any moment at any time, even when I get boring, you can, you can tune to yourself and have a meeting with God. You can, you can let the tent of meeting in you say, you know, that preacher's whack. I want to meet with God right now. <laughs> that preacher's talking, boy, I just want to hear from God right now. And you can have a tent of meeting right in the third row in the fourth seat. I mean, do you get that? You can meet with God wherever. Stop blaming the pastor. Stop blaming the church. Stop blaming the leaders. Stop blaming the worship team. You can meet with God because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of God dwells, there's power, there's freedom, there's liberty. Oh my God. Let's stop taking that for granted and let's start celebrating that. Amen. We can meet with God. We can draw close to God. He'll draw close to us. Come on, let's stand, let's stand, let's change. Let's change our position, let's change something. Let's change something. Please don't tell me this was a waste. Let's change something.
1: need to come up here and worship like this child here. You need to step out from observing and you need to come to actually doing. So I'm opening up this altar, this area right here. You have access to the Holy of Holies. If you want to come here, if you want to meet Jesus, just step out. Come on. Just step out. Come on, let's just encourage. God, you won't Yeah okay.